Blue Jays and New York Yankees again. They play their final series against each other. Five games remaining during the regular season. Blue Jays, two games up on the Seattle Mariners who are the first team out of the American League playoffs. They were a half game back of the Astros after a 6-2 victory um, yesterday in Seattle. So not booed off the field. We just saw a clip of George Kirby who was starting in that game. <laughs> yeah. For the Mariners, um, asked for a ball. Like he got the ball thrown back to him by the catcher and he looked at it, as, like as, it. as many pitchers are wont to do. He's like, this is, ew, it's too white. He threw it. <laughs> Uh, or he had not yet thrown it, but put his arm up as if ready to throw it back to the catcher to dispose of it, destroy it, where a, a ball comes out of nowhere, hits him in the chest, presumably by a fan. Who in the had, infield, I guess. A, a fan maybe had, had had a ball that they had caught during the course of the game, a foul ball, and was waiting for this one moment to 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 strike with a hilarious... <laughs> throwback of a, of a baseball to, to George Kirby. And he, he looked very confused. Yeah. That I can only imagine how jarring that is. You're just standing there on a major league mound with the baseball in your hand. And another one comes flying out of, out of absolutely uh, nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's funny. Uh, we've seen these clips before of a catcher kind of lobbing the ball back to a pitcher slowly mm-hmm. and the pitcher not paying attention and the faces of everyone on the infield. Of, oh yeah. no, they're great. So it's just funny thing. George Kirby's a big boy. He'll be okay. Uh, so, yeah, no no one hurt, so I can laugh. Yeah, it is one of those things, though, that, yeah, we wondered how Major League pitchers would take advantage of the pitch clock. What are what are the workarounds that they'd figure out? Yeah. That's the major oh, one. Oh, it's the biggest go-to. It's the dice move of, uh, of pitchers trying to uh, bilk a little time, for sure. Yeah, so the Mariners snapped their four-game losing streak, uh, pick up a victory over the Astros, and pull themselves within a half game of uh, the playoffs in the American League. Of course, they control the tiebreaker against the Blue Jays. That's the team that you should be more afraid of. The Astros, you want to sweep this series because all things being equal, the Astros and the Blue Jays have the same record. It's the Blue Jays that get priority because of winning the season series against them, where the opposite is true for the Seattle Mariners. It would be a disaster of sorts for the Mariners not to make the playoffs after overtaking the Rangers and both the Astros in the second half of the season for the American League West lead, despite the fact that they traded away their closer at the deadline. So you get myopic as you do, you know, in a mm-hmm. sport like baseball where it's very regionalized and yes. that it's not the NFL where we, we have a lot of national conversations about the other 29 franchises in major league baseball, but as much of a disaster as it would be for the blue Jays to miss the playoffs, the Mariners were also in the playoffs last year. They had high hopes. They gave up a ton of equity in building that starting rotation. It's been so good. The offense have let, has let them down so often this season. Boy, after winning that series against the Blue Jays, the Mariners would be none too pleased to miss the playoffs this year. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. And, I mean, you throw in the wrinkle of them trading their their closer, that just adds to the criticism that would be coming your way if you if you don't get in because it's really easy to tie one and two together. doesn't mean it's right, but it's it's really easy to connect the dots there. All right, this insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider, Buck Martinez, uh, on the call, of course, of uh, yesterday's game and again tonight at Rogers Center. Buck, thanks for doing this. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Doing very well. Um, We can talk about the negative of yesterday's game in just a second, but I do want to take a second to, to talk about Kevin Gossman because that might have been his final 
regular season start um, this season. This is two years in the books for, for Gossman being a top 10 American League Cy Young Award contender uh, a season ago, and a lot of the numbers even more impressive this year. What were your expectations of Kevin Gossman when they signed him to the multi-year contract, and, and how is the reality um, contrasted or, or, or backed up your initial impressions or, or, or thoughts about what he might be as a Blue Jay? Well, you know, the Blue Jays deserve a lot of credit for the way they have added to this rotation. You know, first they signed Ryu, then they brought in uh, Gosman, and then they bring in Bassett and Kikuchi, and uh, they've done a great job. And, of course, the trade for Barrios was a terrific trade as well, and they extended him. But Kevin Gosman had a terrific season in 21, obviously, with the Giants. Uh, you know, his timing was perfect. He was a free agent. He was 14-6, and six, the best season of his career at a time when – Pitchers generally mature, and you say, okay, well, he's got it figured out now. And he had a great run there with the Giants, and the Blue Jays stepped up. And they brought him in to be exactly what he is. He's the ace of their staff, and he's pitched like it ever since he's been here. Yeah, it's been it's been more important in each of the last two years, or this year specifically, with everything happening with Manoa. And then even last year, you know, Barrios, his little kind of stumble coming out of signing the contract, it was more important than ever for Gosman to be that that ace, that stop, or whatever you want to call it. And he's been it in spades. Uh, I want to talk to you about the reliever they went to, and not the reliever you think I'm going to ask you about in Romano, but the guy they went to right after Gosman. You and Shulman were talking about this a bit on the broadcast, but if you could just expand on the point of... How do you feel about going to Swanson after Gosman with them both being so reliant or are using the great pitch that is their their splitter? Do you like that? Do you think Swanson's better used piggybacking off of someone else? If you could just kind of expand on that because I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I think it's terrific because when you look at what Gosman did, three hits and no runs over seven innings throwing that splitter, and then you got a guy that's very similar to him, why not bring him in and continue that same diet of pitches to the opposing team? And, uh, you know, Eric... We have talked a little bit about Eric, and in there for a while, you know, he had his back issues, and he, he lost command of his fastball, and, you know, a few pitches last night got away from him with his fastball, but his splitters might be better than Gosman's as far as velocity and, and late movement, but, you know, I thought it was a great move because the Yankees had done nothing against Gosman, and when you got a guy that's very similar to him, why wouldn't you back it up with that? And, and certainly Eric stepped up, uh, retired the side in order with a strikeout, and Really did everything you could expect in that situation, especially getting LeMahieu to end the inning and not having to face Labor Toys or Austin Wells. Mm-hmm. And clearly, when you don't score, you, I think the lion's share of the blame for a loss, and it's just one loss, and there's plenty of time to, to make it up, uh, belongs with the offense. But obviously, when you, you have an outing like Jordan Romano had, and now it's back-to-back outings, he becomes a focal point, Buck. And it is it is weird to me to look at some of the splits for Romano, specifically his numbers in tie games and, and how uh, outside of the norm it is because he's a he's having a great season. He's been so good in save situations, in clutch moments, and not to say that a tie game isn't a clutch moment, but for whatever reason, in tie games, opposition have had great success against him to the tune of an over 900 OPS. Is there any sense to be made of that or is that just like a weird quirk, a weird anomaly this season? Yeah, I, mean, I just think it's kind of a, an unusual situation. I mean, closers understand the magnitude of a tie situation. That's why they're in the ball game, and especially in the ninth inning when you're facing two, three, and four in the lineup. Those are the guys that you have to get out. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that. Uh, Graber Torres got a big single to start it. And then, you know, obviously, we haven't seen much of Austin Wells, but he's hit two of his three home runs against the Blue Jays now. And obviously, the first one was in a, in, not a uh, 
big situation. They were down by a lot, and he had the home run in the ninth inning. But I think the biggest thing is that, uh, you know, Jordan Romano has been the closer, and uh, this the guy you go to in those situations. And it'll be interesting to see now how they use Jordan Hicks, too, because Jordan Hicks has been terrific since he's come to the Blue Jays. And, you know, he's got that 100-mile-an-hour sinker, and uh, he's got the, the face of a closer, and he's close to the Cardinals before. But I don't think they're going to abandon Jordan Romano. He's the guy that uh, John Snyder trusts. And, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Tough loss. But once again, you got to score some runs to win, and the Blue Jays haven't been able to score uh, on a consistent basis. And, you know, anytime you face a, a tough pitcher like Michael King, he might give you a crack in the door one time in a game, and they had that crack in the third inning, and unfortunately, Vladdy struck out. The strand of the base is loaded. Yeah, it is the uh, the talk of the town today, and yeah, maybe Jordan Romano taking some of that as well. But yes, that at bat in the in the third inning, you, you and Dan did a great job, kind of breaking it down as it was happening. What did you make of Vladdy's approach throughout the entirety of the the at bat? I mean, you guys talked about the patience he showed to get it to three zero. Uh, you love that, and then uh, the way it unfolded afterwards, maybe you love a little less. Well, what what did you think of Vladdy's approach there? Yeah, I thought the, um, you know, the 3-0 take was a good take. It was on the outer quarter of the plate, but I thought the, the 3-1 pitch was a pretty good pitch to hit, and he just didn't pull the trigger. And, you know, that has been very good. The strikeout he had in the first inning strapped a, a long a series of plate appearances without striking out. He's been swinging the bat well, and as a result, he's been hitting the ball hard. He had a two-homer game on Sunday. So, you know, things were starting to turn in this direction, and it just felt like he was going to get the big hit in the third inning last night. But unfortunately, he took a call third strike. And uh, Michael King's tough, Uh, but last night he wasn't as tough as he was last Wednesday in New York when he didn't walk a batter and struck out 13. But he gave the Blue Jays some opportunities with five walks in the game, especially in that third inning, and they just didn't come up with a big hit. So that, that, that the final pitch of the lighted bat in the third inning was technically outside of the zone and, and maybe not received uh, in, in great fashion either. But I, I think in the history of baseball, Buck, that's, that's, a, that's a called strike that you would quite often see and maybe the proliferation of, of you know, gifts and, and, and people analyzing each and every pitch and, and how, how good umpires are at, at their jobs and the potential of robot umpires entering the fray in the not-too-distant future, that, that is viewed uh, very differently. How do you view the, the, the missed call? I mean, do you, do you even consider it that, considering how close it was, considering the situation, considering it was a full count? I consider the missed call the first at bat when it was a sweeper and it was called out for the first strike on the first inning. And, you know, it was a, a low breaking ball and it looked like it was clearly down. I mean, it, just by, you know, live my live look at it, I thought it was ball. But then the next one was too close to take in that situation. And you got uh, your RBI guy at the plate and uh, you got to expand the zone in those situations in the scoreless game. You've been struggling to score runs. And uh, I know the Blue Jays have had more than their fair share of bases loaded walks recently, but that is a guy that you expect to get a big hit right there, maybe drive in two or three of those guys that were on base at that time. But I thought the pitch was too close to call. Uh, I'm not a real big fan of that strike zone. I, I think it varies from batter to batter and ballpark to ballpark. But, you know, I, I think it's there for entertainment purposes. And uh, I, I don't know that uh, anybody should uh, be upset at the umpire for that call. I thought the pitch was too close to take. 
Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Buck. And look, there are plenty of egregious calls every every year. You could maybe even say every day in, in baseball that we can get worked up about. I don't know that that, that was it. Uh, you know, pretty key moment in the game ended up not mattering because uh, the Blue Jays came up short. But the, the, the throw by Bichette at home, Kirk does a great job kind of standing in there now. You know, it'd be it would feel a little different back in your heyday if uh, if if Stanton was able to bowl over Kirk as a, as opposed to the now Buster Posey rule there. But you just can you just talk about Kirk and what he's been as a defender for this team. I mean, we think of him as the bat. Obviously, that's been diminished this year. But I don't know that he quite gets the credit this year for how good of a defender he is. Because in years past, we've had the story of oh, he has a really great relationship with Robbie Ray, and that guy wins the Cy Young. He has a great relationship with Manoa. Look at the year he's had because all the starters have been so great I don't know that we've got that kind of story being told about Kirk this year but uh you know he he showed it last night uh, how key his defense can be well you know what he's done a heck of a job since Danny broke his hand and uh, you know the, the workload has been uh, exceptional he's caught more uh on a regular basis than he has at any point of his career so he's done a heck of a job and, and you're right he does a good job the pitchers like throwing to him and uh you know, he's very good at blocking balls. And uh, in, in this day and age, I think catchers now realize they're going to have to work on their throwing because guys are stealing more frequently than they have in the past. But when you look at, at Kirk, how much he's caught lately, he's done a terrific job. You know, Danny was uh, out, broke his hand in Colorado on the 1st of September. And uh, since then, uh, Kirk's done a majority of the catching. So I think he's done a heck of a job. Uh, he, caught 80 games already this year and that's more than he's caught in the past so he's done a good job and uh, you know I don't think anybody is uh, saying that uh, you know everybody misses Danny Jansen Danny had a hell of a year but at the same time I think Kirk's done a, a fine job filling in for him talking about Martinez so you Blue Jays didn't score any runs at Rogers Center yesterday I would put a lot of that on Michael King being as good as he's been uh, since taking over a starters role with the New York Yankees but Buck, the, the numbers are pretty stark, um, even for a team that's a little bit diminished offensively from the one we saw a year ago. The, the Blue Jays' home road splits are are mind-boggling. The, the, the offensive environment at Rogers Centre has been so diminished this year where we expected it to be uh, the opposite to be true with the, the new dimensions. Do you have any theories as to why this is happening? You know what? Everybody's kind of scratching their heads and what's going on here, but... You know, the Jays have only hit 77 home runs in 76 games at home this year compared to 103 on the road. And it is surprising. Uh, it's always been a good hitter's ballpark. And, uh, you know, I know the players have been baffled at times. Uh, they have a team average of 246. And the ball just doesn't seem to be caring here. And I thought, personally, I thought the dimensions that were very similar to the spring training dimensions at TD Ballpark in Dunedin, I thought the ball was going to fly out of there on a regular basis. And that hasn't been the case. I think the the interesting thing is that the the opponents have hit more home runs than the uh, Blue Jays have at uh, at the ballpark, and they've given up 92 home runs compared to the Blue Jays hitting 77. So, yeah, it's an oddity. Uh, obviously, uh, you know the Blue Jays gave away some power, and when they did trade for Varsho and uh, Deoster uh, was traded uh, for Swanson, and Gurriel was traded away, and that's some of their power, but. Uh, Obviously, uh, the Blue Jays haven't hit home runs at the rate they did last year. Yeah, there's obviously just a team element and the way they're they're built. Uh, you know, you mentioned Varsho there. I want to talk to you about him. He makes the great read on the stolen base play. I was shocked that he was able to to be safe at third. I know part of that is the throw is a little bit offline, but it feels like that is the 
that is the embodiment of exactly what the front office was looking for when they went out and traded for him. Somebody who can be versatile and kind of give you those different elements that you just don't really have elsewhere on the team. He's a terrific all-around fundamentally sound ball player. Uh, he plays great defense. He's uh, you know leading uh, baseball in defensive runs saved. The Blue Jays as a team are far and away the best team in that category. And it does help you win games. There's no question about it. And I think the biggest thing is this is a tough division for first-year players. And they come into the division, they see players they're not familiar with, they see pitchers they're not familiar with, and it's a meat grinder division. Everybody in the division uh, can beat you at any time. I mean, you think about the Red Sox playing so tough against the Blue Jays early in the season, and Tampa Bay's always tough. The Yankees are having a down season, but they've had the advantage over the Blue Jays this year. And the Orioles are the Orioles, and uh, you know they're they've been good in the past, uh, as recently as 15 and 16, and they're good again. So um, yeah, it's a tough division. I think Dalton's going to have a much better year last year. You know. He's a career 229 hitter. He's never been a high average hitter, but uh, some of the home runs he hit last year uh, were a result of Chase Field in, in Phoenix, and I, I just think he's going to have a better year next year. He's a terrific guy, a great teammate. The players love him, and he gives you everything he has every single day, so I expect better things from him next year. Yeah, pretty clearly uh, one of the, uh, the the favorite teammates, especially amongst the outfielders of the Toronto Blue Jays. Before we let you go, Buck, I do want to get your Thoughts on Brooks Robinson, who dies yesterday at the age of, of 86. You guys crossed over for a couple of years in the American League. I never saw Brooks Robinson play, but he's like my go-to when I talk about third base defense. <laughs> Understandably so. What is it, 16 gold gloves at third base? Just uh, renowned as, uh, sorry, I, I, I short, no, 16 gold gloves. 18-time uh, All-Star was Brooke, Brooks Robinson. What are, you, what are your rem, uh, remembrances of the all-time great Baltimore Oriole? Well, when I came in the league in 1969, they, the um, Baltimore Orioles were the class of baseball. They were just the best team, and they had the best players, and they had regular players all the time. And it was just something that, you know, you expected the Orioles to be classy. And, um, you know, Brooks was the epitome of that. He came up with the Orioles uh, very young in his career, 18 years old. He was in the big leagues with the Orioles in 55. And he spent his whole career there, 23 years, with one organization. Uh, he won an MVP. He was a terrific goal player. He, you know, and for me, he's the best third baseman I ever saw because he could make every play. And it seemed like he threw out every guy by a half a step, no matter if it was Alejandro Kirk or Bo Jackson. He had a knack for knowing exactly how fast the guys were running. And, um, yeah, he was as clutch as anybody. And um, my roommate, George Brett, wore number five because of Brooks Robinson. And a lot of guys have done that in the past because uh, Brooksy was such a class act. And he became a terrific broadcaster after his playing days as well. And he was a great ambassador for the game. And, you know, he, uh, he was a, a special guy. And, uh, you know, I, I will miss him. And uh, for me, he and Frank Robinson, they were the class of the Orioles in all those great years in the 70s. Well, and this according to Sarah Langs yesterday, MLB uh, statistician, Brooks Robinson holds the record for most games where he drove in the only run in a one nothing win with 10. O's win one nothing yesterday, Buck. There, there's something to that. Oh, I was going to say, get that guy on the 2023 Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, that's pretty pretty symptomatic of what he meant to that organization. Uh, you know, the big statue of number five in, uh, in Baltimore, Camden Yards, and uh, we will think fondly of Brooks Robinson forever. Uh, thanks so much for the time this morning, Buck. Appreciate it. 
Great to be with you guys. We'll have better news tonight, I hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, tough customer, though, in Garrett Cole. Uh, this insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Again, obviously, I never saw Brooks Robinson mm-hmm. play, but I, he's on the tip of my tongue whenever I see somebody make a great play at third base and I see a Matt Chapman or, for, honestly, of my vintage... Yep. And just recently going into the Hall of Fame, Scott Rowland, mm-hmm. the best defender at third base that I ever saw. 16 gold gloves is more than a few, though. Yeah, it's a lot. There is the, that picture that was floating around of him. It just looks like a king uh, on a throne mm-hmm. of, of gold gloves. It's awesome. I mean, it's uh, obviously you don't get that recognition without being that dude. Buck, you can hear him talk about it. And I, I think it was Chris Russo who planted this in my head, but I am just now comparing people to two secretariat. That is my, <laughs> that is my old athlete that I keep bringing okay. up. I, but if I want to say someone's overrated and stinks, they're not the, this person isn't that old. And I did see them play. That's Derek Jeter. That's where I go. Oh. If I'm like, Oh yeah, this person's a, like overrated media creation. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Wait a second. Listen. It's look, it's just, look, I can give you the super Coles notes version of it. Okay. And I don't think you won't have to all the way agree, but you're going to go, okay, yeah, that's true. If Derek Jeter was a fill in the blank with me, a Kansas yeah. City Royal, a Miami Marlin, whatever. Well, okay, he doesn't reach the heights that he yeah. reached. He's a he's fine player who we just never A thought. fine player? Okay, so this has gone too far because during his playing days, there was nothing I enjoyed more than talking about the overrated nature of mm, Derek Jeter. But now you won't have it. But it's, I think the number one area I went to was his defense. Mm. And yeah, did he make most of the routine plays? Sure. He didn't even make the best running into the stand catch by a left side of the infielder in New York in the, in the 2000s. He didn't even do that. David Wright's is better because he actually had to go into the crowd. Mm. It wasn't a Jeter thing where he just didn't have the Mm. athleticism to pull up. Mm. Yeah. 3,000 hits. Yeah. Hey, man, he's magic, I will say. Like, <laughs> I remember I remember not caring all that much, yeah. but having the game on. Because I'm like, ah, you know, I want to see a milestone if he gets it. And I was, like, barbecuing something outside, and I walked back in. And the yeah. second I walked in, it was crack of the bat. 3,000, homer to dead center. He's magic. Some guys just are that. Yeah. But he's also overrated by the circumstances and the Yankee magic and the captain and the lore sure. and all those, the worst humans of all time, the Yankee fans just screaming with Jeter, the name on the back. The numbers are undeniable. He he would have been a hall of famer. He would have been renowned as one of the the greatest players of his generation. You're right. He, I guess, wouldn't be venerated as one Mm -hmm. of the greatest players of all time. Although once you get into the baseball hall of fame and it's, it's a small hall type situation and the most exclusive of all the sporting hall of fames, like, I don't know. I guess we're quibbling. Yeah. I didn't mean to get into a, a defensive Darren Jeter <sighs> yeah, here just, with you. Just, hey, just what everybody wants to hear, man, <laughs> after the Jays lose to the Yankees is don't you dare be mean to my sweet Derek Jeter. Oh God. I, I, I liked when Buck said Jordan Hicks has a closer face. Yeah, what does that mean? And And can I have one? I mean, no, just so we're clear. He's right. So there's two types of closer face. Because I do think Jordan Romano also has a closer face, but it's like crazy. Because he looks insane. Yeah, yeah it's like wandering ins- around. Not crack. so. The, I will say his most psycho move is when <laughs> he's slowly walking around and just like cracking his neck kind of <laughs> off to the sides of his shoulders. That is the most. Yeah. 
I want no part of that guy if he has a problem with me. Yeah, and I think you have to do that if you're like normally a mild-mannered, laid-back right. type of dude and you need to get yourself in the headspace to throw 100 miles an hour. I would pay money to see you get yourself into that headspace. I'd, I'd, I'd love to get the opportunity. <laughs> but yeah, Jordan Hicks has a different type of closer face, mm-hmm. by which I mean he is calm. Like he, he looks unrattleable. Very much so. Uh, would love the would love they do this on the golf broadcast. They have like the whoop meter. It has the guy's heart rate. Oh, I would yes. love to see that. Holy cow! How do we not have that in baseball of all? That sports? has all the stats and everything. Yeah, no, that's that's the the when next. When they were making step. everybody get their shots, they should have actually put a chip in. So we could... <laughs> it's a joke, people. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's a great great idea. I'd never heard it posed before. Um, I've never actually even seen it on the golf broadcast that they've actually started yeah, they, measuring people's heart rate. Yeah, because the guy, like, they have a sponsorship with Whoop, like, it's a partnership with Whoop. The guys all wear them, and then it'll be like, oh, this guy's going to throw a dart. They usually don't put it up live, but if some, yeah. they have done it in where it's like a guy is sitting there waiting to hit a, like, dicey <laughs> shot on a par three, and you can see it slowly going up. But the truly great guys that. go, the truly great guys go. The other way, I mean, some guys I, stink and they're able to maintain this calm in them, uh, but it's great. I would love, love that in baseball. Oh, my God, to see Romano's heart rate spike honestly, right last night. You know what I would, okay, here's a would you rather. <laughs> okay, we, we, we don't get to see the in-game strike zone creation, the the, yes. the, the box. So that's gone. K-zone so is out. So you got you to you gotta have your own zone, folks. You, right? Like it used to be, <laughs> but you get... The heart rate monitor on all major league players on the field at one time. Would you take that trade? I am not taking that trade off for the eternity of all time because it's. I am not ready to make that one for one. But I'll go a month without getting mm. the K box so I can get that. I, I'd very much like to see it. I, I would do it for the rest of the time because <laughs> I think I've become too reliant. Like part of it is like Buck clearly not the not the biggest of fans. Well, and I have become it because I've become so indoctrinated to knowing what's a ball and a strike and the the exact nature of balls and strikes, despite the fact that my entire baseball watching life growing up was not, it was not an exact science and there was a mentality that existed amongst mm-hmm. both pitchers and hitters that it wasn't going to be an exact science. I, I kind of wish somebody forced me not to to, to look at the, the K-zone. So I, I would kind of welcome that mm-hmm. being not a part of the broadcast, but... I can't imagine something more thrilling than seeing what Vlad's heart rate oh, is doing. Imagine the this guy doesn't care takes oh we God. would get out of it. <laughs> this guy didn't even his heart he didn't nearly give himself a heart attack. Does he even care? Oh, oh my, God. my God, the narratives we could spin. I, I need it. I need it to happen. It feels like there would have to be a conversation with the PA because, yeah, players are probably not signing up oh, to have that, their vital is systems that union is monitor. Is that union strong and get their way? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God, I need it, though. I don't care. This should be item number one, next CBA <laughs> negotiation uh, between the players and Major League Come Lincoln. on, Manfred. My man, let's go. <laughs> All right. When we come back, still waiting to hear if there's a new Leafs goal song once the regular season arrives i i posed my suggestion yesterday we'll talk to a man who has his own suggestion it's actually a song he helped write we'll talk to tyler stewart drummer for the bare naked ladies next as the fan morning show continues ben annis brent gunning sportsnet 590 the fan dive deep into toronto sports and the nfl the jd bunkus podcast subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts 
be loving life to see their team score a goal? I always am. Perhaps not if they were down 5 nothing, and, you know, three minutes left in the third period. Make Maybe it not. 5-1? Maybe not. <laughs> but generally speaking, yes, they'd be loving life. This is loving life. Uh, one of the latest from the Bare Naked Ladies. We're still waiting to hear if there is, in fact, a new Leafs goal song at home this season through one preseason game. There's not. Nope. It's Hall and Oates who are taking unnecessary shots over this thing. And no offense to Mr. Hall or Mr. Oates. It's a fine song. I think it's probably run its course. Elliot Friedman with a little screed about it uh, on Monday as well, uh, retweeting his, his screed and suggesting the song that we just heard is Tyler Stewart, drummer for the Bare Naked Ladies, who uh, joins me now. How's it going, Tyler? Great, guys. Nice to be here in the morning. Doesn't that song sound just perfect for a goal celebration? Come on now. I, I don't disagree, and I think the lyrics kind of play into it. Like, how important are lyrics in deciding what mm. this potential new goal song should be? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, um, Mr. Hall and Monsieur Oates uh, have provided us with uh, plenty of hits over the years, and they have made some dreams come true. However, to your point, uh, man, like, if it's 5 nothing at the end of the, you know, third period, and the Leafs score one to make it 5-1, Whose dreams are really coming true? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, it, maybe this it's a it's a great song. Is it a little perhaps? I hate to sound macho here, but is it a little soft? Perhaps uh, you make my dream dreams come true. Uh, is it time for something a little more driving? Um, and I would say that love and life is a little more driving than uh, you make my dreams come true. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say that was there. the I'd say that was the overwhelming criticism of it. Oh, from the second it was tabbed, the Leafs mm-hmm. goal song. Of, I don't know if we want this, and I I actually I think I'm I'm the last guy in the world who's saying, ah, you know what? People are so mad. Keep it until they change their mind on it again. Uh, but I do like the angle you're you're kind of taking. I got to say, Tyler, just a, a thrill to be talking to you. Uh, seeing you guys at then ACC uh, was one of, if not the first concerts I ever went to. So just a thrill to be uh, having having you on today. If you could just talk a little bit about uh, your fandom. I mean, you we're talking here because of the Leafs, but we know you're a big Jays guy as well. Uh, what's your what's your emotions like right now as a uh, Toronto sports fan? Oh, man. Every time I think I might be the, uh, the cooler for the Jays, every time I tune into a Jays game or go to a Jays game, <laughs> they lose. I don't know what's going on, but last night I actually sat through that whole scoreless uh, sleep fest until – uh, you know, Mr. Romano decided to give them two runs. But, uh, yeah, they're looking good, though. I mean, I love the way they seemingly can turn it on uh, when they really need to. But uh, the consistency, that is the question. But, you know, we're all – it's only three games. They just got to win three games. They got to do it. They got to do it. Uh, as far as the Leafs go, you know, it's a long time. I'm a long-suffering Leaf fan like the rest of the city. Um you know, I started being really hardcore back in the day when my good high school buddy, uh, Curtis Joseph, played goal for the Leafs. And, you know, we were singing anthems. You know, we were a very popular band at the time. We, you know, playoff games, singing anthems, going to every game, living and dying by every shot, save, goal, loss, win. And, uh, you know, it hasn't really abated. And that's one of the things with, you know, the goal song. I remember for a nanosecond, do you guys remember they had Teenage Head, Let's Shake, as the goal song for one season? I don't do you remember, remember that? No, I don't. That was about seven years ago or so. And I thought, that's great. That's a local band. I mean, they're from Hamilton. But yeah. 
whatever, you know, I think maybe Hall and Oates were from Philadelphia, yes. right? Yeah, I was just and, looking it up, actually. Yeah, and, you know, maybe the Flyers could use that song. But, uh, you know, we're a good Toronto band. We're, you know, and we're in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. We love the Leafs. We live and die by the Leafs. I think maybe, you know, uh, investing in some local talent, some young local talent. Maybe not so young. <laughs> no, it's a great angle on it, Tyler, and I agree wholeheartedly. And you know, Love and Life would be a, a nice uh, decision to, to to make as the, the next Leafs goal song. How about just writing a new one? Because I, I, you guys had some pretty good success writing the theme song for The Big Bang Theory, which went 12 seasons, is one of the most successful sitcoms of all time. I mean, whatever you guys touch as far as creating a song for that thing turns into gold. How about writing a new song? Well, that's a good idea as well. You know, I mean, certainly Ed Robertson is very, very adept at writing to task. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the Big Bang Theory song. It's I'm wearing clothing on this day because of that song. It's uh, my children are eating because of that <laughs> song. So we're, we're, very, we're very thankful for those opportunities. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. We could do something like that. But, uh, you know, Love and Life is there. It just came out. It's brand new. And, uh, you know, it hasn't been, um, it hasn't been overplayed yet. And it'd be a great chance for, you know, something to, uh, something to get the fans excited and, you know, change it up a little bit. Every year the leaf you know, the leaf season starts and we all ask, is this the year? What's different Mm -hmm. this year? Has anything changed? And, you know, the core is still there, and it's a great core, but have they delivered yet? Hmm, mm. not really, no. sort of, but, uh, sort you know, of. Nah. sort of. They won a round, <laughs> they haven't delivered at all. Exactly. Well, I mean, I, I was trying to put a positive spin on it, but, uh, you know, maybe something a little bit different uh-huh. will, you know, point towards change and give people some hope. So there's my pitch. You know, MLSC, if you're listening, you know, <laughs> your old friend Tyler has an idea. So there you go. How about a, a Bieber collab, right? Like, obviously, huge Leaf fan as well. Like, you continue the the the, the Canadian connection thing, not necessarily Toronto guy, but Then you two the could region. be best friends with Austin Matthews as well? Yeah, like, am I on to something there, Tyler? Well, you know, we met Biebs when he was considerably, considerably younger. Um, you know, if he's available, he's got some time on his hands. If he's not... Uh, taking pictures of Haley. Um, maybe he can get together with us and, you know, we can figure out something for the Leafs. Anyone, you know, anybody kind of, that would be the obvious choice, wouldn't it? Because he's really connected to the team. He's already designed a jersey, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, I think what I'm saying in general and what Fridge is saying, you know, Elliot has also brought this up. It's just time for something new. I'm offering up uh, a la- the latest Bare Naked Ladies single and you know free just calling for change perhaps mlse is listing and uh away we go we'll see fingers crossed uh, i'm rooting for you tyler uh it was a great suggestion uh thanks so much for doing this appreciate it hey thanks for having me on guys appreciate you uh there's tyler stewart drummer for the bare naked ladies who yeah they, they, they won eight juno awards they're you know grammy nominated yeah one of the biggest bands to ever um be created in this totally. country have a lot of significant singles but man and he mentioned it i don't know how, how how that works as far as royalties go but the theme song that they wrote for the yeah. big bang theory and think whatever you will about that show and i i i, I 
I guess it's fun to, to dunk on. I can't say that I've even seen a single episode of it, but its I, success is is undeniable. What what I have seen uh, is the, and I'm sure you could do this for a lot of sitcoms, is just it with the laugh track removed. Oh uh, very unsettling, yeah. I, I will say. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that anyone who was touched remotely by that uh, will be eating and drinking for a long, long time because 100%. of them. So yeah, yeah. To them. yeah, and again, like, so... I'm not saying it's entirely because of the theme song, but it's... I think some people would would quibble if you did. (laughs) I'm saying it's part of the success. They created something for a thing that at the outset had no guarantee of success, turned into one of the most successful things ever. Feels like that is the... uh, Feels like... I know it's a band comparison I'm doing here, but that... The Big Bang Theory feels like the nickelback of sitcoms, like very easy and fun to dunk on. Oh, and I'm maybe not... it'll come back around again. Maybe. Because yeah. Nickelback is coming back, back around in the again. streets. Well, I, know. I think, I mean, it's if you hear somebody badmouth nickelback, is that it, like a it, it cool does, take now? It does take you back aggressively to th- 2009. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think nickelback is a, is a perfectly fine okay. band. You, but you know what? Mm, uh, Canadian. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh my God! What a three-way collab: Bare Naked Ladies, Nickelback, and and the Beebs. Sure. Can we have like a, a super and then Drake? Maybe I don't know. You gotta have Drake, but he's too busy being a a, a fellow Raptor to Damian Lillard one day soon. Take, take me back to what was then Air Canada Center and young Brent Gunning watching the Bare Naked Ladies. So what what year is this? I don't know. I'm trying to think. So it was. I went with the. Uh, it was a. A babysitter of mine and her, she had like a son who was probably would have been like, Mm. I don't know, late high school, maybe university age. And I don't know how they convinced him to do this, but it was like, you're going to take Brent because it's like, he doesn't want to go with his mom or whatever to the concert. So Mm -hmm. you're going to take him because he was into the band or whatever. And I just remember being very, very excited. Yeah. It would have been, I don't know, 10, nine, mm-hmm. eight. I don't know. Math is mathing, but it's, I'm, I'm bad at it at the best of times. I'm really bad at it 20 uh, some odd years later. But yeah, I just remember being uber excited and I felt like I'm so cool. I'm an adult. I'm at a concert. And yeah, uh, yeah it was awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. And they are a legendary Canadian band, a legendary Toronto band. They once they once got told by the city. Do you remember this controversy? They were no. supposed to perform uh, for city, like the big city hall New Year's Eve thing. And basically city council was like, oh, we will not be having a lewd yeah. act perform. <laughs> you can perform if you change your name. Yeah. And they were... Uh, we're good on that. We will not change our name. It is, yeah. If, if you're unfamiliar. especially in 1990, sure. whatever, right? Yeah. No, and and they've become yeah world renowned. Certainly, yeah. again, one of the biggest bands to come out of this country to come out of this region. I do think if you're if you are changing the goal song, I, I would. And all things being equal, I would lean towards a Canadian act, mm-hmm. and and more specifically, uh, Toronto act. I also would say. And and maybe this is gonna bum Tyler out if he's still listening. I think whatever decision will be made has already been made. Oh <laughs> yes, I don't think there's a public poll happening that's gonna swing this one way or another. I don't think that. Yeah, and, and I here's what I do know mm. in in in, oh. in in some of the interactions I've had with people who are very close to maybe not the hockey operations sure. department of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, but understanding mm-hmm. how some of the peripheral stuff yes. works. Brennan Shanahan is hands-on with everything in that organization. <laughs> it would not surprise me at all if he has serious input into whether or not the goal song is changing. And if it is changing, him putting his seal of approval on that thing. And I think it's already been done. Okay, how do you picture 
how do you picture is Shanahan? Because there's a few different ways I picture this. Mm. I like to think of it as, you know, you've seen these behind the scenes offices at MLSC when they do the like blueprint stuff. It's all these like rich mahogany. I like to picture Shanahan sitting in a chair wearing some slippers and he's got his cardigan on and there's somebody just putting uh, putting a record on for him every time. Like I, I, or is he sitting at a computer and there's just a Spotify playlist yeah. and it's like, here's our 15 ones we're going through. Yeah. Either way, I would, I like the I, put out a ton of behind the scenes videos and stuff. Uh-huh. I, even if we do it a little tongue and cheeky of him leaning into it, I very much would like that. No, I, I, I'm being dead serious. No, no, I know you are. I'm saying though, it's just like, it's a very funny visual him sitting 100%. there in front of a Spotify. No, I, I, I can almost guarantee you it's a very serious process For that sure. he's going through. Oh, marketing is involved, a sales, like yeah. an organization with that PR. Well, and, and besides that, even if say it were, um, this new bare naked lady song, Love and life. Mm-hmm. Um, if in fact the Toronto Maple Leafs do the unthinkable and and perform to expectations, by which I mean win a Stanley oh Cup, my pro- God. provide this city with the single most memorable sporting moment. I mean, in in our lifetimes. Yeah. And no offense to '92 and '93 and the Toronto Blue Jays, and that was formative in my life. It mm-hmm. it created my love of sports and is you know the reason why I'm sitting here. Maple Leafs winning their first cup oh since expansion would be it'd be otherworldly. And to have your band, your song, even loosely associated yep. with some of those postseason moments, like looking back on highlights, um, evoking a feeling, is something you can't even put a dollar amount to. No, not even close. Yeah, I, I actually hadn't even thought about that because I cannot. I cannot for one second allow myself mm-hmm. to think about such a day ever happening. Well, that's why it's like Tyler Stewart's accomplished these incredible yeah. things. He's won incredible awards. Yeah, this yeah. is a legendary band and he's made lots of money mm-hmm. and he's referencing all the money yeah, yeah. that he's he's made off the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, it, n- none of that is the same as being associated with one of the totally. the legendary moments in this city, in this country. Honestly. Not even just sporting history, because, yeah, the least winning a cup would go outside of sports yes. in, in regards to this country's history. Yeah, everyone would have an emotion one way or another. <laughs> right. <laughs> to be associated with that, there is actually a lot on the line here with this decision. So, back to my original point, there's a reason why Brendan Shanahan's thinking this thing through. Mm, you're saying a, a a Shanahan niece or something is going to be. It's like when John <laughs> it's his own done, song. He's going to write his own oh song. Oh my god! Could you imagine? <laughs> Spoken word. <laughs> okay, here's the actual true funniest example of what could have happened. The new goal song will be introduced, and this process actually took place after the first round exit or the second round exit last year, and it is a composition. By one Kyle Dubas, who yeah. now resides in Pittsburgh. Like, that is truly the funniest way uh, this this could all play play out. It, you're right, though. Like the amount that it could be worth to somebody, and again, I can't even begin to dream. Well, think, think about on Chelsea it. Dagger, like, yeah. and and the Blackhawks. Mm, I, I think if you're a Leaf fan, you don't think on the level of the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs. The original six, I think yeah, it's yeah. pretty pretty damn close. I know they went through a long wilderness mm-hmm. uh, situation there, where like even the local games were not broadcast. Yes. So, uh, until, pretty bad. That was, that was not ideal. But then we're one of the dynastic teams you think about over the last 25 years. For sure. And if you were going to think of something audio wise yep. that reminded you of the, it's that that hit from Chelsea Dagger, yep. like that forever and ever. And ever, 
uh, what band is that again? But I'm sure Fratellis. Yeah, the Fratellis. Like, see, I'm not. I, I I could not name you another Fratellis song, but I got that right off the top of the dome. Maybe they'd be offended if we said they were a one hit wonder. But yeah, like that hit is so not, it, not it, too it, concerned it, about uh, the Fratellis' <laughs> opinion of us. To be perfectly honest, no. But the Fratellis. All they have to do is announce they're playing a show in Chicago in 20 years, and it it's a sellout, yeah, right? Yeah, they all come out. One's Literally, got a Taves like, we're, jersey, we're one's playing, got a Kane jersey. We're playing Chelsea Dagger back to back to back we're gonna to back put, to back to back to back to We're going to put Roberto Luongo's face on the Jumbotron <laughs> behind us, and you get to all just stare at him and think of this song. Yeah, you're right. It's right there. 100%. All right. Um, before we go, Ryder Cup cranks up this week. I know oh, I you're am excited. You're too excited. I, I love golf some could as say. well. I, I love golf. Not nearly to the degree that you love golf, okay? You, you, I love it you're, so much. You're obsessed. You're going through every single quote from yeah. these guys, like days out from the start it's, of the Ryder it's Cup. It's so good. Wyndham Clark just got asked an innocuous question of like, are you feeling confident? And then he went uber bravado American. I think I'm the best player in the world. I can beat right. anyone. Simmer Love now. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Brian Harmon, who also won a major this year, he was like working out at a, a different spot on the range than the team. And he explained the reason for it. But you better believe we turned oh, that into yeah. a story of like, oh, these guys hate each other already. The European team, just doing what they always do, yucking it up and playing money for matches, and they're all just the best of friends. Uh, meant to bring this up actually during Wake and Rake, but the odds for a lot of books are switching. I mean, your U.S. was a heavy fa- favorite, Europe heavy underdog. That number's been shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. Europe actually favored in some spots now. Why is that? Well, I mean, the states never win on European soil. Right. They're the, the states are missing some of the guys that you think of when you think of these teams. A DJ, we know about Justin Thomas and how bad his form has been. And then there is just a, it's just the fact that the states struggle so, so much and you have a lot of rivalry. Cup rookies for them. Homa, you got Harmon, you got Clark. These are all guys who haven't been on that stage. They've been on other team events, but it's nothing like the Ryder Cup. So I've been bullish on Europe. I think them being favored is crazy, mm-hmm. but I do like I do uh, I do like them so much so that I bet them. I don't know. Whenever Victor Hovland won the first playoff event, I right away went and bet on Europe to win the Ryder Cup. Yeah, that was and smart. that odds of those odds looked amazing today. So there was so much of okay, take the policy, yeah. the politics aside yeah, yeah. of of live. When when live and the format was announced, there was so much of it that I thought was so stupid, mm-hmm. and and it just didn't feel right. And yeah. it was like, who who is this for? Um, I I think the the shotgun start thing is ridiculous. So like, dumb, especially considering some of the famous finishing holes in golf. Honestly, like it's it's about playing the 18th hole. Yes. At Augusta, like everybody yeah. knows what that is. <laughs> yes. Like it's not. Oh, I, I I finished on like a. We par all love tapping it on six. Uh, yeah, yeah like, great. Well, no, that's stupid, and even. Like, it, there's elements of the team part of it that I think are very stupid, more specifically the names, yes, which very, are all horrible mm-hmm. and stupid. But there is something, right? Because team golf, it's the best. We get so, we get such a small sample of it. Um, we get, we get the presence. Uh, cup, mm-hmm. we get to take part in that. That's cool. Hey, it's, Mike, we're captain I in know, Montreal in next Montreal year. In Montreal next year. Check I know. Tone. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. It's not quite the Ryder Cup, but even still, like, those two events are so they feel so different and yep. they add such a different flavor to it the 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 main difference between what's happening there and and live i mean there's there's uh, multiple but the big one is that these guys actually care about winning like care That's about it. the team 
first and foremost. There's no individual component to it. Like on the live, they're doing two things at once. Yeah. You're you're playing for yourself, but you're also playing for your team, which is stupid. Like if we could find a way to get more of these things integrated and have people care about it throughout the course of a golf season, it's, th- then you'd be on to something. It's the making people care. And, you know, we haven't talked about this at all, but it's kind of like the NBA in-season tournament that, yeah, it's not going to matter now. It's not going to matter in 10 years probably, but the hope is that 50 years from now, there's been a whole history of it. You've had awesome moments and you just can't, you can't snap your fingers and create that. And the Ryder Cup will always be special in that regard. And there's, you know, hey, you see it in college. Like, I, I'm a sicko. I watch college golf. Hero, you are I know. Sick. But those kids, they love it because there's buy in. They you. are a Longhorn or a Spartan or <laughs> whatever, okay? Because they buy in. They're not a crusher or a high flyer or a high flyer. Yard goats or whatever. Or range goats, whatever it's called. Then guess what? Either would be bad. <laughs> so, yeah. That's that's the problem with it there. Yeah, uh, can't wait to see. Thank you for giving me Ryder Cup talk so Buddy, far away from it. I'm gonna I'm gonna clear out a little bit more uh, as you preview that in in earnest. I think tomorrow because yeah. it'll actually matches will be on underway when we're on Friday on the show on Friday. Yes. So yeah, tomorrow. whole session will be in the books by then. Okay, so yeah, tomorrow's your day to to preview Ryder Cup. Whoopee! Right? And a Leafs game tonight. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, but also a Blue Jays game. Uh, Blue Jays need a win <laughs> against Garrett Cole. Oh and boy, Yankees do they. Day. Uh, on Sportsnet at 7 o'clock. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.